If nobody turned that one steer the four times you ran that night, you didn't get a turn in. You just didn't get to row. <laughs> Who in the heck loans you $30,000 to go rodeo? What are you talking about? You get done. Like, this sucks. We're still going to do it. I, I can't stand it. So I just go up to him and I, I am like, is there something wrong with your brain? So we're officially hey, going. Unoffendable. You know, yeah, that that is our that really is our man. The name of the podcast is the Flatbed Podcast, and the reason it's for that is <laughs> Flatbed is like <laughs> so. <laughs> we are brought to you as always. Been there since the beginning. People that are, were with us when this was just an idea, just starting out. Classic ropes and Equinity products. It is a new day at the Flatbed Podcast. Let me tell you what I'm doing tell you how it affects you we are going into basically our second season we're not calling it a season because i don't even know why you would do that i mean we're into our second year that's all that means we're adding a subscription option what that means is not you have to pay to listen to every episode but what we're doing is we're recording bonus content for every episode with every guest we're asking stupid questions we're going completely off script we're just going according to what we think would be funny um it's just bonus content and what i what i found is you get a little a little better look into the person that's on the on the podcast instead of being stiff or formal um we start off with bonus content we ask stupid questions you get the like the live reaction we've said it's like an inkblot test right you just say whatever comes to mind first i personally have enjoyed it i've i've loved the bonus content because like i said you get to see a different side of whoever's in uh the studio uh for the month it's five bucks for the month for the entire month which comes out to about like a dollar a little like a dollar 25 per episode so less than a dr pepper you get to listen to all the bonus content you can click on it and add now here's what this does by helping fund a little bit of what we're doing it allows some travel to places that we would like to go um i was watching youtube last night about the bullfights and i was like man how cool would it be if we could go to spain someday and talk to the people that run the bullfighting rings right like go talk to the people that own the horses that are part of that like and i'm only using that as an example we're not trying to fund a trip to spain but uh you know i would i would love the option to financially be able to go to the places where things are happening that are interesting outside of maybe just only team roping in arizona i know we made a trip to texas so um we're adding the subscription site but the truth is honestly even if it was doing nothing but funding my rock star recovery bill every month um, it, the, the, the content has been fun. It's been a blast. So like I said, a dollar 25 an episode is what you're, what you're investing. It is super easy. Um, and we haven't had, we haven't had one bonus segment yet that hasn't made everybody laugh. It's been fun. We've enjoyed it. So, uh, what we're going to do is we're going to release three free bonus episodes this week, give you an idea. Um, we're going to release three of them this week. You can take a look at them, see what you think. But then also after that, it'll be one per episode. We haven't recorded any podcasts without also including bonus episodes. So, um, I would encourage you to check it out. It's fun. Um, I, I really do enjoy it. It's something I've actually, it's been a, it's been an addition to the podcast that I've enjoyed. So check it out. Throughout this podcast, you're going to hear from our partners, uh, who make this podcast possible. Uh, we've been able to do this for a year and a half now, almost two years, uh, bringing you the stories that we like to tell that because, uh, we like to hear them. Keep in mind when you hear from these companies and these products that they are not companies or products. These are people. These are people that made the decision to interface with you through this podcast, which means they speak the language that you speak. These are our people. Um, these are also companies that we have vetted personally. We don't uh, represent any of these companies that isn't a product we wouldn't pay full retail for or people that we wouldn't go into business with. So you're not just hearing a random ad that we got paid to reread. Uh, what we've done is we have partnered ourselves with these companies and with these people to try to create a culture uh, around this podcast. So you're going to hear so, you're going to hear from them throughout the podcast. Keep that in mind when you hear it. Man, I am sold on Equinity products. It's one of the things we get the most questions about. Actually, is does it work? 
All of my horses are on it. I'm telling you, you can tell a noticeable difference. It's the thing that uh, triggers the pituitary gland to work more efficiently. And for you science nerds, uh, the pituitary gland is sort of like the control center for all of the chemicals and all the balances. And it's, uh, it's the control center that keeps a horse healthy. Um, I've noticed I've noticed a physical change, but to be honest, the mental impact that it has on them, keeping them calm, ready to show up, ready to go to work, check them out. Uh, you can you can find them at all their social media at Equinity. Let's be honest, who hasn't heard of Equinity? I'm not telling you how to find them. You already know. I'm just telling you the experience I had, and it is worth it. I will never not feed Equinity to my horses. We are with Tristan Mahoney. Now, Tristan and I met in like, oh... I'm going to go way back here, probably like 08 or 09. That, that that'd be right? about right. About 9, 10 is when I went to the Northwest, probably. Neither of us were from Oregon at the time. You were in Arizona. I was in Texas. And there was like a little group, uh, the Whitlows from Arizona, and like yeah. me and my little gang would go up there and rodeo at the amateur rodeos and circuit rodeos. Was that, is that 08, 09 right there, yep. somewhere there? Yeah, because I graduated high school in 09. So it would probably been the summer of 10. Is when the first time oh, okay. I went up there because it yep. was our freshman year in college. Yeah, I got it. Well, and to be honest, it was like, man, king of the good time right it was always fun instantly i felt like instantly we got along maybe i'm imagining that but i always felt like we got along good absolutely um and so fast forward with everything you've done with the bits i'm i i'm excited to do the podcast because there's a lot of gaps in there of like wild uh little indian feral tristan at you know 18 19 years old now (laughs) doing everything you're doing now um, I've got Jet here in the studio with us today, also helping. And I say studio. We're at my house today. Yeah. First podcast we've ever recorded at our house. I'm so special. Yeah, it's it's like really informal. Like our house is dirty. We just had pizza. There's people <laughs> coming in and out. <laughs> so dude invited me over the house. Says, hey, I got a podcast for you. <laughs> yeah, you're like that's like telling somebody you got candy in a van. Yeah. They're like, seems seems like it would be a studio would be a better setting, but I wasn't gonna get done in time. So. No, no, that's totally cool. So you grew up here forever. Yeah, I mean, born in New Mexico, but we moved to Arizona when I was real little. So where at New Mexico? Uh, east side, Tucumcari was where the my actual place of birth. Oh yeah, called Rudy over there. Yeah, yeah. Um, I remember being in high school, and I remember like the, the everybody that came over from Arizona. There were some very, very real guys. Obviously, team ropers back in the day. Like I'm going way back to my high school years, but right, when it was black and white. Yeah, <laughs> we rode dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> my horse looked like the Sinclair gas station yeah, sign. Yeah. Um, but there are some guys here that rope calves better than you would expect for being a state that's kind of off the, off the beaten path from a calf roping perspective. Am I saying that right? Yeah, I think so. Did you feel like you were kind of out in the middle of nowhere growing up? Yeah, as far as calf roping concerned, yeah, we knew that there wasn't a lot of guys. You know, Brent was still here when mm-hmm. I was all through my high school, college. You know, when he was, he had, I don't remember when he quit rodeoing, but around the time I got into college, you know, he quit making the finals and he was kind of like our guy. And then Joseph rodeoed forever and he made yep. it, he made it once. Rick Keefer right there. You know, I don't remember he made it oh four, oh five, so I was still in high school. But yeah, there was it uh, our calf roping jackpots aren't big. You know, fifteen, well, sixteen guys. Well, I think about like in Texas, there's so many guys that had such good careers that live there. You don't have access to all of them, right? Like it's all not that it's a click. I'm not saying it's a click, but it's just you don't expect that you're gonna get to know all of them personally. Being out here, did it feel like you had the chance to go to the guys, like you said, Joseph, Brent, and Rick? Like, did you f- did you feel like it was an open door to go to those guys and go, hey, yeah. what's next? Sure. Yeah, That because there wasn't a lot of us and because there wasn't a lot of people, you know, like, trying to come up and rope calves. Right. Like, even in my generation, there wasn't, like, I was, like, all about calf roping. Most everybody else was all about team roping. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, there, there was a couple guys that right there with me that would rope calves, but... 
mean, in my age bracket, as far as guys that are still circuit rodeoing, there's not many of us. Who rodeos in the circuit out here? I should know this. It's not a lot. Do you know how many circuit rodeos I've entered? Like, we've been coming down here for seven or eight winters now. I've lived here almost two years, full time. Mm-hmm. I have not entered one circuit rodeo down here. That's how aggressive my entering has been. I'm talking. So I don't, I mean, there's rodeo guys that are like full on part of the deal unless they team rope. I, I don't know them. So wait a minute. Is this the official J-Baby calf roping retirement announcement? No, no, no. The okay. retirement announcement came July 4th after uh, Malala, and I can tell you exactly when it happened. It was in 2012. A minute. Yep. I tied a calf, a big, I drew a big, strong, hard-running calf. I still got the video somewhere. Runner down there, I felt like made as good a run as I could make. Now, granted, I didn't draw on the better end of them, right? Mm-hmm. Turn around, she's getting up. Wrapping a hooey. And I mean, as much as I had to give, I was eight six at Malala on a big strong one. I felt like that's as good a run as I'm gonna make. And I think I split last hole one like 110 bucks. And I was so crippled, like my hips were so tore up. I couldn't get out of bed in the mornings. Yeah. I had moved to Oregon at that point. There's you think there's no calf rope in Arizona, like yeah. like dark side of the moon. <laughs> um and and I was just man, I was so crippled. I was like, what am I doing? Like this isn't even fun. I can't couldn't practice. You know, I had a good horse. Horse I sold to Marcus Costa later, but I had a good horse that I'd made the circuit finals on the year before the that. White horse? No, uh, it was a kind of a bigger sorrel. Had a spot in his mm-hmm. head. And I only, I think I only rode it on it for a year, but um, I'd already sold to Gray, and I just I couldn't couldn't practice. It wasn't fun. I was tearing myself up, and I hated the mediocrity that I had achieved. Right, like it felt like I wasn't able to get to the place I wanted to get. Mm-hmm. So I was like this is easy. I'm done. And, and I had buddies that were like, you just made the circuit finals last year. Like, it's not, you're obviously not done. I said, I'm telling you, that's it. I was in there with Ty Holly and we're in the truck with Brad and one other guy. I can't remember who, but we went to like Sandpoint, whatever those are the weekend after the fourth. And then I I I told Ty, I was like, that's it. And no, nobody really, honestly, nobody ever believed me. And I've never entered a calf roping since. Yeah. So for me, that, it was easy. That was easy. I, I get it. I, I get it, it. You know, like Pavlov's dog, they say like you yeah. ring a bell and feed them, and then when they hear a bell, their mouth waters. Uh-huh. Uh, it, it would be like calf roping had got to the point where it's like when you think about calf roping, somebody just takes a baseball bat to your hips, and then pretty soon just you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Zero fun, sir. Yeah, yeah. Well, and like if you hurt your knee, people are like, oh, you must be an athlete or like your elbow or something. But like when you tell people you have bad hips, they're like, how old are you? Like it's kind of a geriatric injury. Yeah. And I was just like a German shepherd. So (laughs) they just went bad. You're done down bad. Yeah. It's not, it's not like team roping. That's like, you got, you got to be at the highest level or it just is no fun to go and donate. And you know, like I, I don't got it anymore. Like, you know, at that, that point, it's like, you're right. like, man, that was my best run, and I just didn't even place, place last hole, whatever. Like, that's the hard thing about it. Well, those guys, and not talking bad about anybody, because everybody's got their own story, but for me, I didn't want to be the guy that made the amateur finals every year, mm-hmm. and that was it, right? Like, I roped good enough to make the amateur I, I made the amateur finals every year I tried, sure. calf roping and team roping, but I, I, I'd done it enough that I just didn't care anymore. Like, if you had told me... Like you enter 15 rodeos, you're guaranteed to get the amateur finals. I didn't care about that. Who I wanted to be in life was a different thing than just like a local amateur calf roper. And so anything above that obviously was decreasing because of my health. And so, yeah. So there's my podcast now. We should start. Your- <laughs> yeah, no, no I, I'm way more interested in you than people would be in me. <laughs> no, I guarantee that's not true. So did it seem like early on people are like, dude, like, 
because I remember you coming up there. Horses always work. You're always one of the guys. Like it didn't feel like you see guys that have to get out of their little circle to go somewhere to rodeo because they really weren't maybe doing anything at home. Yeah. And then there's guys that come up and you're like, oh man, shoot, there's another guy that's just gonna stomp everybody for a while. And you were definitely the latter, not the former. Yeah, um, we, we I had some luck up there. I did good. I made the amateur finals and learned a lot. I mean, it was just there's. I mean, the 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 like even though you said there's not a lot of calf ropers up there. The rodeos up there are so much better. Well, in the, the summers, people here. go up there. And yeah, rope, it's but, it's fantastic. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's, it's hot here. We have a lot of winter rodeos, a lot of fall rodeos, you know, a little bit of spring stuff. But it's like it's summer shows. Summertime down. is like you can go to New Mexico and stuff, and it's all right, but it's yeah. nothing like that. You know, you're not going to three or four weekend every weekend for two months. Was there a time where you're like, "This is what I'm going to do with my life. This is going to be my career. I'm no, going to be I'm going to be a ever. world champion calf roper." Oh yeah, like eighteen. Yeah, it's absolutely delusional. <laughs> like <laughs> have a way. rodeo has a way of you know it's a meritocracy as they say it has a well way said. of just letting you know exactly where you're at in the spectrum like i was good i could i could compete but yeah i i never felt like i hit that consistent level of winning even at the amateur rodeos and the circuit rodeos where i was just like and like obviously i won i made finals i did good yeah but i was never like a dominant like all right i need to take this show on the road look out for worth do you re- do you remember kind of when that dawned on you like do you remember a time where you're like you know what yeah goldendale washington i just had like a complete mental breakdown i i don't know i was mid-20s 24 25 and there's this stupid amateur rodeo and i made a fine i don't even know i don't think i made a bad run but i'm just like sitting in the trailer like i'm not good enough (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, this isn't... This pains me to say, but... Yeah, yeah. As my daddy always told me, boy, you don't have a lot of talent. <laughs> he didn't say that. <laughs> Super supportive. That would have been a really funny thing for a dad to tell us. <laughs> no, my kid. dad would never say that. He loved me. Son, you know there's people that don't suck? Mm. And then there's people that do, and then maybe you're that. Yeah. You know, uh, have, boy, have you thought about retread tires? <laughs> No, no. Get a job over there at Leschwab University. Yeah, yeah. What? Why? If you don't mind, because I'm curious, because I think there's there's young people listening to this podcast, and they're still maybe in the delusional phase. There's young people that listen, and they're not. They're really on their way. Yeah. But there, I think there's, there's a lot of people. Dudes out there. But I think there's a lot of people on the back side of that discovery that probably went through it several different ways. Yeah. You know, I think there are people that probably just wrecked them, and then they just were like, Most "I'm not going to think about it. Quit. I'm going to ignore it." Or that yeah. they realize it, they admit it, and they're like this world has nothing for me. Yeah. The, the rodeo world. Hopefully, yeah, they, don't, yeah, hopefully yeah. they don't take it to that degree. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not that the whole world doesn't Goodbye, have like, sweet I, <laughs> I hate, I hate rodeo. And, I'm, and I think I, if I'm being honest, I probably went a little too far that way. Yeah. Of like, screw this. I think I was embarrassed. You yeah, know, like, well, you pour your whole freaking life into it. I know. I, I'm sure, I'm sure you did to rope as good yeah. as you did. And I know I did like, that's all I did. Like, yeah. Ever. Right. You know, and then you just, it kind of hits you like, I'm still not there. I'm still so far away from like, from like being a, you know, a top 15 guy. I described it this way. See if this makes sense. When I quit, people asked me why. And I said, it's like the kid in school. We've all known this guy. He would carry the girl's books. He would write her poetry. He would invest everything into the friendship, like hoping to be more. And then she'd go to prom with the quarterback. Yeah. 
I felt like I was that guy and calf roping was that girl. And like, I just, it just never loved me as much as I loved it. And I looked, and I looked, and I looked up one day and I'm like, what am I doing? Like, I need to find a different girl. Cause this girl is just a black hole that of like, take, 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 never give. I love her, but I just, I hate her so much. Yeah. It's changed. I loved her and now I despise her. I hate her. I hate her and her quarterback boyfriend and all the people that are having the success that I thought I wanted. Absolutely. So Golden Dale. From I, I don't even remember what happened. I just remember sitting in my living and, well, you know, for champagne problems, I had to live in. Mm. <laughs> but anyways, I think it was my in-laws living, actually. <laughs> <laughs> and they loaned it to me and my wife to go rodeo on that summer. And, uh, and I was just sitting there like, like, I'm like, th- this isn't, this isn't a career. Like, and I didn't right. quit. I'm still circuit rodeo. I'm still amateur rodeo. I love to make calf horses. I love the whole deal. Like, I feel like at that point, a lot of people just quit. And I'm just like, you know what? I backed off like. 20, 30%. I, st- I mean, my favorite thing to do is rope still. So, right. like, I'm not going to not do it. Right. But I'm just, like, you know, it it was, it was wasn't worth me getting so mad every time yeah. it didn't go well. And honestly, I started roping a little bit better after that, too. <laughs> you know, yeah, I, I love that puppy so much. Right. And just squeezed it right to <laughs> <laughs> Well, and I wonder, like, that's a very evolved position because I think if people would, you know, take the screw back half a turn and just relax a little bit, there's still things about it you can love. It's when you're wanting it to be something more than it was. Yeah. That's where the love for it goes away. But like what you're saying, like, no, I still love roping. I still circuit rodeo. I still, you know, amateur rodeo around here. I still enjoy the process of making horses. I wish people had, like, I could, I wish they could give themselves permission to do that without feeling like a shame that they didn't make the goals for, that I, I they imagine had. shame has a lot to do with it. I like because, like, it I said, for me. I, like, I, it, yeah, I could, I, I, I could definitely see, like, if I had less like homeschool confidence in myself, like, you know <laughs> I mean? but, but like, if I wasn't just so eternally optimistic, yeah, absolutely, <laughs> <laughs> just the rose colored glasses on, yeah, like, it, it is like. I d- it didn't make it. I didn't accomplish all these goals I laid out for myself as my teenage, you know, my formative years, especially. But yeah, it's just like. I Man. couldn't, I, I can't quit. I, I'll, I'll be the old guy at the amateur rodeos. I really will be, but like, I'm good with that too. I, here's what's crazy. I, and I won't, will, will not say names cause it was sort of a personal conversation. I won't even get to the details of it, but I was talking to a buddy that I'd grown up with and I probably couldn't go into the details. Here's what I'll say. Let's take that conversation. Just scrap it. Here's what I'll say. I look at people my age that did go where I wanted to go. That did do what I wanted to do. And that becomes a prison because it is going well. There's no exit ramp. They've got to keep going and keep going and keep going until eventually it's over. And rodeo is done with everybody at some point. Oh, yeah. To discover that early in life, I feel really fortunate because now I've had the last. She's a cold, hard one. You're not wrong. Like, Like it'll be done with everybody, right? But to be able to go pursue a life in other avenues, it was like I got a head start. Mm-hmm. Right, like I got a head start in all the other areas. That now, if a guy's say a guy's forty or forty-one years old and like rodeo's kind of getting done with them, now what do they do? Yeah. I mean, it becomes like yeah. the success. The success that I wanted so bad would have been a prison. Yeah, absolutely. Like they they don't start careers. Like I started building bits when I was twenty-two. Yeah, you know, twenty-three. Like right, you know what I mean. So now I'm thirty-two. I'm ten years in. Like. If it would have went better, I'm not starting. No, no, heck no. I got, I got, I gotta make the finals. Right. Like I got a real shot. Right. You know. Yeah, and then and then, and this is probably way deeper into the psychology of this. I don't, I don't think people think through it to this degree. But if a guy's made the finals pretty easily, 
for a while. Like that's just something he was able to do every single year. When that goes away, it takes them a long time to come to terms with it because they see guys make the finals and they go, I wrote better than that guy did. Well, maybe you used to. Yeah. But you don't anymore. And how many years of rodeoing and losing money and giving it all back? does not lie. Yeah, and you, you end up giving it all back. And so now even what rodeo did give you, how many careers have you seen where they just gave it all back in the end and it's like, well, what was the point? No, it's sad. It really is, and but and I mean, it's not obviously it's not all doom and gloom. Like some guys come out the other side doing good, putting on school. It's mostly doom and gloom. No, I'm yeah. kidding. No, no, you're right. It is. It is your choice. I mean, a person yeah, still yeah. has a choice how they want it to go. Yeah. And so, like what you're saying is, it, it's almost it's almost like the like you appreciate the honesty of like, okay, this isn't gonna work out. Okay, fine. Then I'm gonna go do something else. And you find that other girl and you build a life and it's a wife and you go, I, this is actually what I was looking for, right? The honesty of rodeo to young people is actually sometimes a gift. That's all I'm saying. Because it forces you to go through doors you wouldn't have volunteered to go through. Mm -hmm. And those doors, man, some of the things those lead to, it's like, what would I have done without that? Yeah, like, all, like I, I mean, this is easy to, like, twist into this guy is bitter because he didn't make it, he wasn't good enough, blah, blah, blah. But it's, like, almost like the, the doors that it forces you through are, like, the doors that matter when you're 60. The, the kids, the family, you know, the financial stability, like, all the cool shit that yeah. comes with, you know, not rodeoing your whole life. How, I mean, obviously the guys, the very best guys, they probably make more money than I do. Like, I get it. But the boy, those 16 to 25th, it's a tough place to live. We'll see. And that's, that's the thing is that how many guys are actually really making a living? It's pretty small. But how many guys are still out there banging their heads against the rocks? And my life now, if you go, okay, I'll trade you. You can make the finals two or three times, but yeah. you're just going to kind of sneak in a few times. But you get the back number, you get the jacket, you get the deal. Or the life that I've got, I'm like, that's a no-brainer. Yeah. No, I mean, no-brainer. Yeah, slip in there once or twice, 15th, 16th. Don't don't light it up at the Thomas and Mac. Like, right. Yeah, like it's a no-brainer. I would have given anything. At the time. At the oh, time. yeah. That, I mean, the dear rodeo of like my life, right, of like anything. I would have given anything, and I'm grateful that – so I get, I don't know, this is going way down the, the wrong road, but I will say what's cool is the doors that I wouldn't have opened had I not been forced to, that's where all the best stuff's at. And I think, yeah. I think this, I really do, I do try to live by this. If I don't have it, I don't need it. Sure. Unless there's one caveat. If I don't have it, it must be because I don't need it unless I have a chance to work for it. If it's something I could work and get, maybe that's different. Mm -hmm. But if I don't have it and no way to get it, then I don't need it. If I needed it, God's got a way to make sure I got it. Yeah. So what am I stressing out about? And in that regard, that's a good mental space to be in. Oh, dude, the peace that comes with that. Yeah. Like just the literally the life peace of like, if I don't have it and I don't even have a way to work to get it, I really believe. And that goes. I feel like I'm talking too much in this podcast, but sorry. Right. I had You're a lady tell me one time about my hips. She said, if your hips won't do what you're asking them to do, then they weren't designed to do it. Right. And I'm like, okay, explain. She goes, you're trying to get your hips to do what you want them to do. She goes, do you think God put you in the wrong body? And I'm like, obviously not. She goes, so he put you in a body that's perfectly capable of doing the things he wants you to do. But he didn't give you a body that's capable of doing the things you want it to do. So if you don't have the hips to do what you want to do, in this case, calf roping, then that's an obvious, like, that's not where you're supposed to go long term. Did you get him replaced? No. Did you stretch your way out of it? Dude, oh, we do not have time on this podcast, but I, I went to a lady that, I went to the number one hip specialist in Nashville that Tandy Freeman recommended, yeah. and we went through a four-hour surgery on, on to try to like create space between the bone. I was bone on bone. Yeah, It's called like a resurfacing. I went through that, 
and it didn't work at all. And I tore my labrum and they repaired that. And then I tore it again. And a friend of mine said, Hey, I know you've been having trouble with your hips. And she said, I got a gal that I'd like for you to see. Well, I'm trying to be polite, but I'm like, I went to the number one guy now. You're like, I like, don't give a shit. Yeah. Like say. this, uh, listen, this, this doctor yeah. I went to, he had like jerseys of all the hockey, like calf ropers, hockey goalies and baseball catchers all have the same hip issues. Yeah, I get it. And so like, you're seeing all these jerseys, you know, like if that guy couldn't help, you know? Yeah. So I go to this lady and she's like this older lady and it's in the back of someone's house and like a little <laughs> shop. And I'm just like, <laughs> what am I doing? She, like, she, she slits the rooster's throat. Yes. 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 Yeah, yeah. yes. Yeah. And I'm just like, Oh, what are we doing? And I was just so incredulous. And like, I'm kind of skeptical anyway. So she sits there and she's just like, like hands. I'm trying to describe what you're seeing with your eyes through the microphone, but like takes a flat palm as like pushing on my legs and then she'd move. Does this hurt? And instantly, like, what gave me hope? The only thing that gave me hope is that when she would move, she goes, "Does this hurt?" And she could manipulate it instantly. And I'm like, "Yeah, that does hurt." So she doesn't do anything crazy. She goes, "Okay, let me, let me." So she sits down. She sits down with me. She goes, "Okay, I need to explain." She said, "You don't understand your pain." And I go, <laughs> oh, "Lady, I've been living y'all. with this." Yeah. Oh, here we go. Woo, woo, right? Yeah. She said, "You feel like that your hips are inflexible and broken because." They're too close together, and you can't spread your legs as wide to step across the calf. I go, right. She goes, that's not the problem. The problem is your hip bones are rotated, and because they're rotated, the ball is touching the outside of the socket. So your hips are too far separated. And she said, so because, because you... sit in all them calves. I mean, that makes sense that that would be the injury. But it gets worse. She said, to compensate, because you don't understand your pain, you are compensating in a way that's making it worse. She said, look at your boots. Well, she noticed them when I walked in. She didn't say anything. The outside of my heels are always worn down. Yeah. She said, when you walk, you're hitting on the outside of your hip, your, your foot. She said, when you leave, I want you to start working on walk. Because I was almost a little pigeon-toed. Like, mm -hmm. I always walked a little bit pigeon-toed. She said, I want you to work on stepping flat from your heel all the way to your tip of your big toe. Just like that. When you walk. So, to do that, I had to open my feet up a little bit. And it was really uncomfortable. Like, it hurt. Mm -hmm. but I started walking like that. I'm 33 years old. At 33 years old, I went from a size 10 and a half to a size 13. Damn. And like, I'm like, did you, you just consciously think about that. And every what it step did, of every day, the heel way, toe, heel toe, the heel way toe. that I would walk started to cause healing and alignment in my hips. And so I was asking her about it. And she said, your feet are all bound up because you don't understand your pain. So she said, as you start to walk more correctly, it starts to realign your body the way that it was created. And the hip went away. So I said, okay, what about the labrum? Because the labrum, I don't know if you ever had a labrum issue, but it mm -hmm. is like, it's like having a sword stuck in your thigh. She said, take a roll, take a towel and roll it up, lay on your left side, but put the towel under your left femur. So that guy pushes that hip in. Mm -hmm. She said, the reason your, your labrum is tearing is because your femur is rubbing against it because it's too far out in your hip socket. She said, so start laying on your side. And I said, well, the doctor in Nashville, here I'm going back to the doctor in Nashville who couldn't do anything for me. I said, the doctor in Nashville said that your, your labrum can't heal itself because it didn't have blood supply. She goes, if it didn't have blood supply, it would die. It doesn't have enough blood supply. She said, you take all the pressure off of it and it'll heal itself. And dude, it did. So would you sleep at night? Just pick a side? As long as I could take it. Yeah. As long as I could take it, I'd put a roll. But anyway, that's a, that's a very long explanation. But no, I didn't have hip surgery. But that lady changed my life and like i almost walk a little open-footed now where i used to be a little pigeon-toed fantastic and i'm sound like I, I i ride 10 or 12 a day no yeah, pain that, that's no hard. pain that's hard on your freaking hips yeah no pain none I mean, you see all them old horse trainers hobbling yep. around yep like, yeah 33 i couldn't get out of bed and 41 now and like i ride all day then bug me like honestly back to life decisions if i had my druthers i would 
I would train horses. Like that's, that's my passion. That's what I love. Right. To, for a living. But like, I see all them guys and I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to go something a little bit less hard on the body. Yeah. Y- y- you know what I mean? Well, and that's, there's something validating about being a horse. Bales hay is not only the best hay in Arizona. For you guys that don't know, the best alfalfa in the world is grown in Arizona. It's true. You can look it up. We have got foreign countries that have moved in to buy hay uh, hay ranches for their animals overseas. The best alfalfa is grown in Arizona, and the best hay in Arizona is sold at Bales Hay. Um, this we're talking generational family into this business. They know what they're doing from the from the business of hay. But they're also doing just a tremendous job working with their water district, staying invested in the community, stay invested in the culture. Um, I, I've, I've joked on every one of these we've recorded that it's, hey, you feel like you could eat yourself. This is stuff like that they're feeding at the dairies, the little bitty flakes. You know what I'm talking about. You pick this bale up, feels like it weighs 300 pounds, and you open it up and it flakes off in little one-inch flakes. Um, and and I, I will tell you this, it's the cheapest hay in Arizona. Here's why. When you think of the amount that you have to feed, when the, when the, the quality of hay is so high, you can feed less of it. When you consider how you're able to feed less of it to accomplish the same goal, it is the cheapest hay in Arizona. Check them out at Bales Hay. You can uh, check them out. They're in Buckeye, but they will deliver. And also nationally. Say you want to get a truckload of hay shipped to wherever, hit them up. Bales Hay, Buckeye, Arizona. By now, you've heard me brag up and down about the Ranch Hands Solar Lights. Um, I've said they, they, you've heard this. They, they are the reason I was able to keep up and going through the summer. Uh, we went fully to graveyard and they were they were a lifesaver for us. Um, hurry and get them ordered. If you're thinking you might get them, you know, you might someday buy some, get them ordered right now. There's a little bit of a waiting list. They will get to you, but order them now to get on the list. I'm telling you. Pro Series lights have been a complete game changer. I have my other lights, the smaller ones that I had before over my stalls, keeping hair off my horses. Check them out, Ranch Hand Solar Lighting. They're on all the social medias. Um, it, I, I, I mean... I can, what do I say? I can't brag on them enough. I, I, I recommend them, but then, you know, because they're my friends, because I love them, it starts to sound like a sales pitch. So to avoid that, I'll just tell you, check them out, Ranch Hand Solar Lighting. If you've been keeping up with the 1017 Project, you will know that we're in the middle of a We Heart Wickenburg series here in Wickenburg. It's the, it's the culmination of the arenas, the producers, our sponsors, um, the city of Wickenburg. We're partnering with the food banks, the after-school programs, 85% of the kids in Wickenburg are on free or assisted lunches, which is an interesting number because you've got this mass amount of influx in the winter. And then when they go home, the town, a lot of times um, there are people here in town that are struggling to figure out a way to feed their families. There's uh, the after school program is sending them home with protein produced through these team ropings, through these jackpots. And you can donate no matter where you are. You could be living in Australia right now and make a donation to the 1017 Project. Check them out at the 1017project.com. Well, and that's, there's something validating about being a horse trainer, right? It's very cool. Like if you're, if you're a real deal horse trainer and you're making real horses and they're going to have real success, that's, that almost scratches that old itch of like wanting to be a success. Oh yeah. I, I could see how I would get into a guy. Mm-hmm. Like they're just almost obsessive about I it. I mean, you've sent some nice horses out the door. I've sent some nice horses out the door. Like it's awesome. Yeah. Y- yeah. It's a gratifying I mean? feeling. Yeah. At what point, so you start making bits at 22, what was the, was it just curiosity more than anything? Well, I was buddies with Gordy Alderson, because he's calf roper too. Um, one of the, I think he finished 16th in the world one year, but let's, side note, how many guys have you ever met that finished 17th in the world? 
They never mention it. I think if they're top 20, they're 16th. Yeah. Because I've met like 300 that is 16th, 16th in, the in the world. world. I know a couple. That's funny you'd say sure. that. Sure. And I'm sure and somebody <laughs> had to do it, but somebody's freaking lying. Somebody finished 18th and it's like, fuck, they're not going to check. You know what I mean? They're never going to Google yeah. this. <laughs> yeah, like my, my dad, he has this story. His buddy told him they're driving like down the road and they drive past this road arena right off freeway. And dad's like, I think I won third there, you know, back in 1942 or whatever. And uh, he's like, dude, just tell me you won it. Nobody cares. No one's going to Google it, dude. You <laughs> yeah, won it. Who yeah, cares? Yeah. Own the story. Yeah. So anyway. but uh, 16th in the world, actually. Yeah. Yeah. He says he was. I, I didn't Google it. So. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. Gordy no one will ever be able to finish 16th from now on. They're like, no, I heard a podcast and you're lying. You had to be at least 19th. Yeah. Like, I mean, I don't think anybody that's ever 21st says they're, they're top 16th. But if I was 19th. You, you know, know, if there was maybe. that many at 16th, somebody would have Nancy Kerrigan, Tanya Harding to get in. And we never hear that story. You yeah. never hear somebody going like full on Tanya Harding to get in. So probably it was more than one person keeping them out, right? Yeah. Because yeah. you don't want to be the guy that goes and breaks three legs to get in. But yeah. like, so yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, sidetrack. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, Gordy Alderson, uh, rope scout is really good. And so kind of, I mean, again, small community, calf ropers here in Arizona, roped with him a ton, always was calling him for advice and stuff. And Gordy, whatever Gordy's doing, Gordy makes sound really cool. Yeah. So, and he builds bits, does an amazing job. Um, and so as, I was at that crossroads of my life, like, okay, I, I need money. What do I want to do? I, my dad sells real estate. I dicked with that a little bit. I hated it. I remember that. Yeah. I remember you were going to do some of that. Yeah, I did not like that. Not just, a good fit? No. Just, it waits. I have a way of explaining it that's too vulgar for the podcast. But anyway, I... Uh, church it up a little bit, because I'd like to know ballpark of what it is. Yeah, I just... Uh, I not, just a way to, not a way to soften it. <laughs> I didn't it. like the taste in my mouth at the end of there, the yeah. day. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, I mean? right. Just, yeah, it's... Too much customer service. Yeah, it is. It is. Not that there's not customer service with bits, but it's totally different. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're within your culture, right? Yeah. Like you're never making bits from for somebody that lives in a, like a nothing against people living duplexes in the middle of town, but yeah. like culture-wise, you're never outside of your culture building bits. Yeah. And, and it's, I enjoy doing it. I don't give a crap about writing a contract for a duplex. Like it was, it's just a job. It's just money. Like I love making a bit, like making a, a product that's going to help somebody, that's going to help a horse, just just the satisfaction of making an actual physical product that yeah that's quality you know there, there's it's super satisfying so like so when you like it and then jordan calls me he's like hey i got my horse that's doing this this and that what do you think like now right. i can't fix all your problems and sometimes people think i can but it's like but at least i can give my opinion yeah you know and then hey how'd that work well you know maybe this maybe that but anyway it's a different type of customer service it's but to your point like when you train a horse and send them out and they do well you feel like accomplished oh, right dude, yeah so same thing like if somebody goes and has a horse they're now having success with that they were struggling with there's a piece of that that you're like man i feel like i got to participate in that you know contribute in a way that was meaningful to that uh victory of whatever sort right yeah like you have a you have a hand in it just yeah a little tiny piece you know which is cool so you start at 22 and to be honest if you look back now oh, at the first bits obviously terrible, they're gonna be garbage terrible but garbage do, do you did you feel like that you started doing pretty good pretty quick at the time? No, no. And, and <laughs> like, like looking back, like it's honestly kind of embarrassing that I didn't care enough at the beginning. Like it was just money. Yeah. And I, I had no pride in, like I did, but 
not right. really. Like at the time I thought I did, yeah. but I'm you're it's like it's like you're pretending to get over the girl hoping that she'll call, but yeah. you're like, I'm a bit maker now. I don't even need you, Rodeo, hoping yeah, it'll yeah. get all oh, jealous. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. you know, she's gonna care. But if Rodeo comes back, I am out. Yeah. because well, I, I still rope and that's the circuit rodeo. So in the back right. of my mind, it's like, all right, what I had one a of those goal, years. like if I could average five hundred dollars a circuit rodeo, like I'm like, okay, we're we're, we're I'm making close. a living. Yeah, yeah, we're close. Like we're like then we can go try it on. See right. how we stack up against all the the travelers or whatever you want to call them. But in the meantime, we'll be making some bits. Yeah. In the meantime, Daddy's got bills. <laughs> <laughs> Daddy's wife has an Amazon account. You know what I mean? Like, so, anyway, so like I, I I put out like functional products because yeah. Gordy helped me. Yeah. And like so I, I like functionally they were fine. But they, was there any like life lesson talks from Gordy? Was there ever a oh, time yeah. where he's like, dude? I appreciate that you're trying, but this is dog crap. No, he. Dude, I don't know all, him. I don't a, know him. I hear he's a, just a wonderfully interesting person. Oh, he's I super wish I did. Interesting, great guy. Um, but yeah, no, he was never. He was always so so positive. Like he think he thought it was cool, and like and I I peppered him with questions. Maybe what he liked, maybe what he didn't like. Is I just went and did it. Yeah. Like I called him one day and I'm like, hey dude, would you? Would you mind if I tried making some bits? He's like, no, knock yourself out. And like, and, and meanwhile, he's like, uh, I would love that. I would love for people to have something to compare to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't think about. It. I never thought about that. <laughs> he just throwing yeah, you the wall. My rose colored glasses that we're talking about. Like, he really liked it's, me. It's, yeah, it was it's really all, it's a good all thing. Positive. Yeah, I never thought. Like he's like, look at this piece of crap. Yeah, no. Um, no, that's just changed my whole life perspective. I'm gonna get so- <laughs> I just ruined it. <laughs> Screw so, you, Gordy. <laughs> no, so he's like, yeah, knock yourself out. And so I was like, all right. So my grandpa had a little wire feed welder, and I had like a like a bench grinder, which is like for all of you aspiring bit and spur makers, that's not what you. You're use. saying that's not where to start. No, no, that is not where to start. Just start right. Okay. <laughs> anyway, and so it had the stone wheel on the one side and the wire wheel on the other, and I went and I bought some freaking uh, went to the local hardware store and got some solder, like you solder pipes together with again. I'll save you 15 bucks. Don't do it. (laughs) $15 and mouth injuries and all sorts of fun things. Like, so like this is, and and I bought the, the, you know, the torch that the plumbers use, you know, with the big Mm -hmm. yellow bottle. Sure. So yeah. Bunsen burner or whatever it's called. Yeah. And I bought like a sheet of copper and a silver saw and I'm like, all right, (laughs) look out. Here we go. (laughs) Yeah, buddy. And uh, yeah, so I, I cobbled some stuff together and, and like, oh, I tried to cobble some stuff together. What? I was just going to build a barrel bit with a chain mouthpiece. I knew that was simple. And and uh, my mom still has it, I think. What kind of metal? Because it's not like you just go grab a piece of steel off the railroad. I mean, there's... Yeah, right. So what kind <laughs> no, of metal? You're starting the, the metal that they sell at the hardware store. That was like, enough. Yeah, like, yeah, you bet. Okay. And yeah. what... Because I know it's not the I know it's not the same, but I can't tell you that I know exactly why. What is wrong with the stuff you buy at the hardware store if you're going to make a bit? Not, not nothing really. It's just the, the selection is generally not great. Like not good quality. Yeah, not good quality steel. Um, and and like it's all how you treat it too. Um, but like you know, like so for our chain mouthpieces, like I said, the first thing I try to make is a chain. You got to do some stuff to it. You got to burn the galvanization off of it. You have to heat it up red hot and let it air cool. It's called annealing, so it bends and don't doesn't break. Okay, you know right. small things, right? Yeah, and uh, stuff you absolutely would not know walking in. Shoot, no. And I didn't. I didn't do an internship with Gordy or anything. I was just. Oh like, really? No, no. I was like, hey, dude, you care if I make bits? He's like, knock yourself out. So like, I grabbed a hammer and tried. Okay. And so like, I I put one together, kind of. And I'm like, all right, now I know the questions I need to ask. So I cruise down to Tucson. It's, it's only like an hour from my house to Gordy's house. And I'm like, all right. So I watch him. I take pictures of all his jigs. And I watch him build bits for like a day. And I go back and I try again. And boy, it got just incrementally better. 
<laughs> did okay let me ask you this did it get incrementally better or did it first of all get harder because you started to realize what you didn't know uh but a little bit of both i would think it, 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 it's almost this way with everything you do but like you start and because you don't know what you don't know you feel like the road might be 100 miles long and then you start down the road and you realize the, the road's probably a thousand miles long right because I, I didn't feel that way again maybe just you feel like you had kind of an idea going yeah, into it. It was like going to be a long. I can do it. Like my idea is like nobody. Like again, maybe it's the wrong way to think about. It. Like like nobody's magic. No, like, right. Gordy's not pooping golden eggs. Like, right. Like he's he's he puts his pants on the same way we do. You know. And, okay. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so it's like, all right, I can do it. And so I tried, and uh, yeah, it, did, it didn't turn out great. And so that I first tried a little bit more. And it that first day, do you remember going down there? The first thing that stood out to you, like. Oh, like what was the big realization? I, I don't know. Like I was just, I was just like, how do you, like I was, I didn't even know what questions to start asking. Right. right? And so like I, I go down there and I look at all this stuff and I'm like, okay, okay. And I go back and then I tried it. And then that's what gave me my questions. Right. Right. Because I'm like, I'm like, wait, I saw him do that. How did he do that? Yeah. Right, 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 right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, it informs and, the questions. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then like, I'm, I'm, of course I have a bunch of bits and I'm pulling them down and looking at them like, okay, how the, how did they do that? You know? What was your, before you started building them, did you have just like a really small go-to selection of bits or were you kind I, of a bit well, nerd? I was Gordy's buddy, so. You're kind yeah. of a bit nerd almost yeah. before. Yeah. And, and I like to train horses and I've always liked to train horses ever since I was a little kid. And, uh, yeah, so. I had I had a lot of Alderson hardware in my tack room. It's the craziest thing. I wouldn't say I know a ton about bits. As crazy as that sounds, like doing what I do for work, yeah. I should. I should know more. But I've got bits that I can look at and kind of get a sense of what I'm going to get out of them, right? Mm -hmm. But it is the most rewarding feeling when you're having a problem with a horse and you set a bit in his mouth and all of a sudden you've got a completely different horse. Yeah, that's a good feeling, isn't it? And, and I think if you only have a couple bits to pick from, it's possible a guy could train horses for a long time and never experience that. Do you know Zeke Griffith, Colorado? Yeah. He trained that horse, yeah, yeah. old Boo. Mm -hmm. he's, I mean, he's made a million nice yeah. horses. Like, he's got other bits, but, like, he's got, like, three bits he uses. Like, just, this is well, his program. Truly, same. I've got my go-tos. Yeah, sure. But I've got, like, a DT stopper mm -hmm. that I really like on specific horses for specific issues, and I take it back off. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, I've, I've got some bits that are, like, always have dust on them but i know where they're at and if i'm like okay it. here we go yeah. and so it's not that i it's not that i don't have good bits it's that i'm just now probably to a point where i have enough good bits that i can get a sense of what they all do well i do feel like it, it is somewhat of a question of how you're going to solve your problems are you going to horsemanship your way out or are you going to bit your way out yeah you know right. what I mean? And, right. and, and not that a certain bit won't help with a certain problem. But that's why I try and tell people, like, we're not going to bit our way out of your horse running off. Right. It, no, it, right. You, you right. know what I mean? You're not, yeah, you're not going to change the horse into a different animal at all. And, and that's but a good But it's like, hey, he, he wants to drop his shoulder. Okay, well, we need to we need to do some counter arcs. This bit's good to do counter arcs. Yeah. So, okay, walk me through that. I, I'm, sk I'm probably skipping. We're going to have to go back and pick up the story again. But walk me through that. Like... Say somebody calls and they say, I've got a horse that when he runs, he almost like stiffens up and wants to drop his shoulder. Now, I, as a horse trainer, would say you need to figure out a way to get his nose a little to the left mm -hmm. so that you can pick his shoulder back up, right? Yeah. Because if a horse cocks his head to the right and bites the bit and drops his shoulder, yeah. you've got to have something that is able to bring his nose back to the left to bring his saddle horn back up straight so that he can stay up through the corner. Yeah. I know that needs to be the result. Yeah. What kind of bit? 
if I'm the if I call and I go, that's what I'm having. What kind of bit does that? Well, I think like like obviously not the world's best horse trainer or like even top ten, you know, eleven. I probably sixteen. Stop it! I yeah, probably, yeah I sixteenth in the world one year. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Sixteenth best horse <laughs> trainer. A great callback. <laughs> but no, uh, like like knowing knowing that knowing like hey, I need we need to get his nose. We need to break it soft laterally. We need to, to pick this shoulder back up. I just recommend bits that are good for that with that have lateral and lift. Yeah, you, you know, like so a, lateral. I, I'd I'd say like explain a, that. Explain that because I I feel like I know, but I want to hear lateral that. left to right, vertical up and down, right? Right. And so the more, as a general rule, super general, the more breaks in a mouthpiece, the more lateral you have. Now, if something's stiff and running off, you can't go with like a chain because it's not enough. Like if he, like you said, he's taking the bit and, 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 he's, and he's getting stiff on that shoulder. Well, I'm not going to go straight to a chain because it's probably not enough to keep him from taking the bit. Right, um, right, right. So you got to have enough gonna, port. I am going to go with something with a note, like probably like a, like a big chain port or something. Yeah. But he's not going to run through that has lateral or like... Or if he's if a little softer and and he doesn't need as many breaks for lateral, like a hinge port or something, is always good for shoulder control, always good for picking him up left or right. I see this. I see, I'm not picking on breakaway ropers. Here comes the hate mail, but it seems like you see it more in breakaway than anything else. We are entering dangerous waters. We are. You, if at any point you just want to like stop answering, I'll know that you have gone beyond. He's not talking about you, Casey. <laughs> <laughs> certainly not talking about Casey. I've never seen her ride something that doesn't work. But you see it. It seems like more in the breakaway. But you probably see it in everything. Maybe healing in the low number jackpots. Not to compare the two, but. When, a, when someone will pull on a horse and the horse's natural reaction is to pull back and push their nose out, which puts them on their front end. Yeah. Like you want a horse to come in and collect. Now there are horses that stop with their heads up. You got to be able to recognize the kind of horse you're riding, yeah. you know, like the way they're built and things like that. But like if a horse, if somebody says, okay, when I pull on my horse, he pulls back against my hand, like, but push his nose out. Where yeah. do you start? Like... It, it depends. If they're just texting and they just send me a picture of a bit, like, I'm like, nah, I'll send them a picture of that. Or like, yes, that one will work. No, but like if they call and they have this conversation with me, I'll Like, send like, a video. They send a video of yeah, it. Yeah, and I'll be like, hey, you know, maybe you're pulling a little bit too much. Like, with that in mind, you want something a little bit stingy. Mm -hmm. Like, because it's it's got to be uncomfortable to to him. Like, right. as that nose, like, starts to extend, like... Like you can't just pull straight back solid pressure or he's just like, it doesn't matter what you put on him. You put a mule bit on him and, and they don't soften to that. Like you gotta, you gotta check a little bit. You gotta right. move your hand, you know, like you pull on them, they pull on you that whole synergy right. thing. Uh, so, you know, like I'll, I'll talk to him about that. Like, Hey, you might be riding his head a little bit right there, but also like, Hey, let's put something with some bite on him. Is that hard? Is that hard when you're having to tell somebody that like their horsemanship is the cause of the problem, not the bit? It that doesn't happen a ton. But yeah, it is hard. Walk me through. I've called you and I've said, I'm riding your bit. Yeah. And this is what my horse is doing in it. And you know that I'm the cause of the problem. How do you how do you go through that conversation? Generally ask them like if they're working with like a horse trainer or something, you know, like yeah, are you talking to somebody that's Yeah, like that's helping you in your horsemanship or a little bit, or I'll just like you can just straight say, like, hey, you're just like without saying you're not doing a good job. Just be like, Hey, I noticed you were riding his head a little bit. I, I I'm sure you didn't mean to <laughs> give him an out. Yeah. They're like, yeah. Yeah. I definitely didn't. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I yeah. was thinking that too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Just let him save face. Yeah. And then, but then they get the picture. Yeah, exactly. You know, you try to be tactful. You don't just be like you dummy. Well, and I think, I think there are people that probably want to believe that like, man, if I could just find the bit, this horse is going to become a different thing altogether. And like, then they're going to blame you. Because your bit didn't do it, yeah. and they thought that's what they're expecting. Like, 
back to the customer service thing, right? There yeah. is customer service and building bits. How do you have that conversation when someone's like, you, you sold me this bit and it didn't work? Yeah, generally people don't, I don't know. Maybe I just build super good bits. I don't get a lot of that. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> no, I don't they, know what other guys do, but yeah, I don't really have that problem. <laughs> I don't know your guys' problem. No, like somebody would be like, like, hey, I didn't love this one. I'll be like, send it back. I'll build you another one. Right. Well, that's the nice thing about a bit, right? Yeah. They didn't break it. No. So you have a bit, and yeah. that bit is going to sell, yeah. right? And pull your initials off, tumble it, good as new. Perfect. Like nobody knows. So then is there ever, like, one of the, anytime I sell anything, it gives me anxiety because I don't know what they're going to do with it, right? Yeah. Like, you sell a horse and you really want it to work. And I'm telling you, like, gut level, as honest as I know how to be, I want to sell horses that are going to work for people. Oh, yeah. And it, honestly, it generally does. I will tell you, it generally does because I'm also the guy that'll go, don't buy this horse. Yeah, this, like, this one's not for I you. watched you ride him. Like, this is not going to go better. Like, this today is as good as it's going to get, and it was bad. So, like, let's not even <laughs> ride. I, I, yeah. try to, I try to avoid it on the front end, but there's always this anxiety of, like, what if this horse becomes something that this, horse, that this guy doesn't like, and is that going to cause be, – I'm a middle child, so I'm a pleaser – so yeah. when you're when you're building bits, is there ever a time where you're like, I don't think I should sell you a bit. Like I don't think this is. I don't think that you're gonna no, get what you I, want. No, but I know what you're saying though. Like I I definitely like get the anxiety of like, man, that they're not gonna like this bit or or whatever. Like if, if it's not working, like if I see somebody riding one of mine and their horse looks like crap, like I'm like, man, I don't want to be cussing me. Right. Because right. you know a Karen out there telling people that you do a That's shit right. job. Yeah. Like is That's not a bad it's Yelp not good review for business. Right. You know what I've gotten Yelp reviews? Not not Yelp reviews, but I've gotten on some of these uh I don't know how to phrase it, but like these Facebook groups of these people, I don't know what they do, but right. they, they have horses, but apparently you're just supposed to ride them in a halter. And so they'll post pictures of my bits and be like, Look at these torture devices. This guy, Satan, best friends. No. But uh, it's like awesome. And I mean that's just gonna get all their little characters. You have heard us talk about them, and now they are here. Roper buildings are starting to pop up all over Arizona. Uh, I remember, I, I probably said this already, but when I thought about a pole barn, I would think about like my grandpa's hay shed. This is not that. These are customizable buildings. It looks like you're building your horse a house. These are some of the prettiest buildings you can imagine and for a cheaper price point. Uh, we've said before that we're not gonna partner with anybody unless it's a product we would pay retail for and people that we would do business with. And Dan Scarborough, the owner of the company, and Dustin Searcy, the guy that's running it here in Arizona, I'm telling you, both of those guys, I would be proud to do business with any day of the week. The reason that matters is that they're people that are going to stand by their work. They're going to stand behind their product. This is an amazing product at a cheaper price point from people you can trust. Check them out at roperbuildings.com. If you're coming to Arizona this or any winter, check out the roping calendar. It is the fastest search engine for how to find what you're looking for here in Arizona. You can search by date, which I mean, there are places you can find dates. You can also search by arena where you click on the arena you're looking for and all those flyers will pop up. You can also search by jackpot number and event, like you're looking for a different kind of event, but also the search by jackpot number, that's my favorite. So if I'm just looking for how to find the number 15 ropens, I click on the 15.5 tab and only the flyers with those ropens will show up. It is the most useful tool in the state of Arizona, in my humble opinion. Check it out, ropingcalendar.com. And yes, before you ask, there's an app. And I mean, that's just going to get all their little Karen friends on there and just, just bash me. What? And it's like, cool. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, and like most of the stuff they post, like I don't even ride, but like, yeah. Hey, I'm, I'm open for business. Like you yeah. want me to build you a barbed wire bit, I'll build you a barbed wire bit. Like you go ride him in a halter. You, you want to ride him in a halter? Go ride him in a halter. Yeah. I, 
I don't know, maybe I'm petty, but every now and then, it's rare. I mean, once yeah. every few months, maybe driving or aboard somewhere, like waiting on an airplane or something. And I'll look through some of the reviews on the podcast. Oh, yeah. I'm so petty. I'm so petty because when I get a bad review, I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, it's so dumb. <laughs> yeah, well, it's you so suck, d- too. Yeah. No, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 I need to stop. Lacey actually got after me the other day because I took a screenshot of one and posted on Instagram. And she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, talking crap, dear. Like, I'm obviously talking crap. That's what I'm doing. I'm enjoying myself. <laughs> I am engaging. I am, I am, I am sticking en- up for myself. Yeah, I'm engaging, engaging with some negativity over a guy I'll never meet, ever. And like, some 12-year-old kid. <laughs> yeah, it's like some 12-year-old that's like, yeah, you suck. Your podcast sucks. And I'm like, yeah, well, you suck and your mom doesn't love you. Uh, yeah. But she, you could tell she wasn't like super impressed. She's like, why do you, like, don't yeah, look. Just what are we doing here? Leave it alone. Yeah. Um, so then... Th- the calf, horse, the calf horse deal, and then we're going to get to the team roping thing. Yeah. The calf horse thing, what's the number one bit issue? Is there is there one that seems to stand out as, like, the main problem? That Pick people- their shoulders up. Especially, like, with more, as, like, as the more, like, actually well-broke horses there are out there and people that don't know how to ride them. Like, if you take a badass reining horse and you stick them to the average public, like, they don't know the cues to ride them. So they're like they never get that big slide and stop. No, and they, can't they, they, they don't out. know how because they right. you don't pull to stop a freaking reining horse. Right, you, you know what I mean. But right. every and I get it. Like everybody's sure. like, we've all how been do you there. Stop a horse, you pull. Duh. Right, right. <laughs> Next Kick, question, go, pull, please. stop. Right. Yeah. And so and so they're like, ah, this horse is hiding behind the bit. Like, all right, well, here's where we're at. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't know how to tell you. You don't know how to ride your horse. Well, and there's nothing worse roping calves, and especially like later being as crippled as I'd gotten, but there's nothing worse than pulling your slack and that horse's front feet get stiff and just hit the ground together. Oh, that sucks. It's and the it worst. And then it cranks your body forward and bends you over the saddle horn and you can't get off. And, like, And it's not all super broke horses that do it, so I shouldn't generalize like that. But it's... It, it's in, I get it, makes, it's, it's honestly people who try and do the raining stuff, like the the fancy broke, but don't know how to do it. Yeah, those are the people that get them hiding behind the yeah the bit, and and like and I've and I've done it to horses. That's how I know it's same, like, like dude. People, same, I, I know it's for people sure. That don't know how to do it because I, I I was one, and I still don't know how to do it. Great, but I feel like I'm you know progress in life. Yeah. So how long into it you're building bits? How long into it do you feel like you were? Oh, let me ask it this way. Now, looking back, you see it for what it is. Yeah. And there's still going to be improvement going forward. So just from where you are today, looking back, how long were you building bits before you can now say, that's kind of right in there where I started to get it figured out? Yeah, yeah. I I know the spot um, where I can look back and and be proud of them. You know, because I got all every picture of every bit I've ever freaking made. Really? Yeah, so sometimes I'll scroll them. Hmm. I mean, not everyone, but... 99% 99% of the time I take a picture, send it to the customer, get paid, sure. send it. And right. like, and I have the cloud. So, right. And I, I make a lot of money. So I pay the extra nine bucks a month for the big storage. So do you, do you <laughs> look back, you look back every now and then just kind of yeah, take yeah. tabs? And it was like, it was honestly, it's kind of embarrassing, but it was like three, four years in before it's like, oh, I'm proud of that. Product. I don't think that's a bad number. I would say for, from nothing to three or four years is not that long. Yeah. To go Maybe. from not doing something to doing it fairly well. Yeah. And, and like, that's where I start to be proud of it. Like, it's way, way better, you know, because like we're, rough, oh, for sure. We're roughly 10 years in now. Like, you know, but like, so year eight, I'm start being really proud of stuff. But yeah. like year four or five, like, I'm, I'm proud of it. Was it just the ability to put into the world what you saw in your head? Or was it that you learned some tricks that you're like significant different things that you started doing? Uh, attention to detail. 
give a shit meter went way up. Yeah. You know, uh, we actually have a saying in the shop. Um, so me and the guy that works for me, Jet Hill, shout out. I didn't shout him out. On shout the out Jet Hill. Yeah. I didn't shout him out on the last podcast. He was shout out all the hills. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Great people. Yeah. Heck and yeah. Jet, super best employee ever. You guys should hire him someday. <laughs> when you're done. Not <laughs> yeah, now. <laughs> yeah. Not now. Don't leave me. <laughs> anyway. So we have a saying and like, it's stupid. So this is what started it is like, so that four or five year mark in that I'm talking about, like I was, I, I listen to podcasts cause I'm just in the shop, especially at that time. I was just by myself Absolutely. all the time. So I'm listening to all kinds of podcasts. I'm listening to the Tim Ferriss show, okay. which is like a Joe for you guys don't know. It's like a Joe Rogan type show. Just yeah. Informational. And he's interviewing these, uh, Japanese or he's interviewing this guy that went to Japan to learn how to make knives because the okay. best bladesmiths in the world are for in sure. Japan apparently. And he was just talking about like the attention to detail that these guys paid. And he's like, it's a cultural thing in Japan where it's like, that's the thing. Like you pay attention to detail. He's like the guys that cut the grass, like want to like be the best grass cutter there is. And it hit home. Yeah. I don't know why it hit home, but it did. And I'm like, I'm not being the best grass cutter I can be. You know what I mean? And, And then, so then it was like gearing up. Yeah. Okay. Let's be better. Let's be better every day. Let's be better all the time. And like, even in the last year, like huge improvement on stuff. And Don't like, you, like we, we get, we, we make breakthroughs all the time. And it's like, well, why didn't we think of that before? Do you, just to, just to turn out just like, like a one, two, three, four, 5% nicer product. Right. You know? Well, and I, I think there's a curiosity in, in my life. There's this curiosity of like, I think I've always been highly ambitious. Mm. I've just, I naturally like my motor has always run hot my whole life. But I think there is this curiosity of like, if I will give it all I got, what could it be? Versus if I don't, could I live with not knowing? Yeah. Could I live with not knowing what, given it all I got? Because I feel like at the end of your life, you'd look back with just a pile of what ifs. Whereas if you do the best you can, right? Yeah. You can you can never run faster than your top speed. You can always run slower, but you can never run faster than your top speed. Yeah. So if you're giving it all you got for what you know at the time, I'm so curious what kind of life that would produce in the end. Well, I guess to bring it full circle back to our calf roping thing like like i don't hang my head about the calf roping career because like i felt like i gave it that's exactly right exactly right you know what i mean like like could i have done better like yeah i could have always done stuff different or better but i tried super super yeah it wasn't a lack of effort the the best way i knew how to try yeah you know yeah and i think i think that carries over i i would say so my son is 15 and we're going through a little bit of that with him right now of you're gonna get good at a couple things and being good at those things is not important. Process of learning how to get good at anything matters. Because the next time, and my daughter, she's 12, same thing. Like the next time you get ready to do something, you're going to have this idea before you ever start of like, it's going to take a while. Gonna, and if you just give up, if you just give up because you've never gotten good at anything, where's your confidence come from? Yeah. As opposed to like if Jet, we've got him healing, I've got him healing now and I'll, I'll be dang, he's doing a good job. Like yeah. he's figuring it out. Does he just wake up in the morning thinking about healing steers? I can promise you on my life, he does not. Yeah. But yeah, that's, too many hormones at 15. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. Like when he figures out that like he can make money and that equates to other relationships down the road, maybe, maybe he'll connect the dots. But for now, he's just doing it because I've told him to do it. Yeah. Right. But what I've noticed is as I'm determining his discipline, as I'm the one setting his discipline in place for him, as he's going through the process and getting better, now it's becoming more fun. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That it's fun to have success. It is fun. Whatever job he's got when he's 30 years old, he will go back and remember, like, I remember by just sticking it out, I got better. And by getting better, it all got better. Yeah. How, I mean, like, 
not that everybody can be excellent, else it wouldn't be called excellent. And not that I'm even excellent at anything, but it's like in a world full of mediocrity, like people just are cool to just settle. I'm going to sound so old, but that I think is one of the biggest issues I see with our culture right now is that we kids. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Get off my lawn. One of the things. Smartphone having TikTok dancing. Okay. I'm powering through because I do feel that way for sure. Um, But there's this like desire to stay babies forever. It's like we celebrate the teenagers right now are like celebrating it's like this Peter Pan thing of like, they've never gotten good at anything. They never take life serious. They never, like, they will actually, there's this term, because Jack called it to me one time, because we were wrestling one time, and I pinned him, and he said, I'm a, I was a try hard. And he says try hard as though it's like an insult. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, of course I try hard. I, what, is, are I've we had j- to try hard for everything my I, whole life. Literally, if I yeah. didn't try hard, you'd be a have not. So, like, there's a correlation between trying hard and having, right? Yeah. But the culture that celebrates mediocrity. Oh, it's just. Is it makes so you want to damaging. run your head through a wall. It's damaging. The, the, the no keep score BS. Like, I got so I got kids. I got a, a two year old. He's gonna be three in April, and then I've got a baby girl. Just she's three months old, and she, I like her so much more than him. I tell my daughter yeah. she's my favorite. Yeah, and I abso- tell my son my daughter's my favorite. Yeah, absolutely. Like everybody <laughs> knows my daughter's my favorite. Plus, she's like the world's easiest baby. It's great. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, like I legit worry about it. Like I worry about how I'm gonna raise them, and like. I don't know, like, not that my childhood was perfect, but, like, we kept score. Like, I think it was good for us. Absolutely. You know, like, so you put them in public school, or do you want to, but then if you homeschool them, are they going to be weird homeschool kids? So it's like, how long do you leave them in public school till they're normal socially? And does the normal socially, is that even, like, do you want them to even be normal socially now? Dude, I'm telling you, you here's my soapbox, because we just pulled our kids out of public school, and here's why. But they've been in for a long time, so they're kind of normal. They know how to be around people, yes, but... When for us, and I listen, if people got their kids in public school, great, more power to you. Just for us, here's what I noticed is that I was outsourcing the culture of the Weaver family to 15 year old kids. Yeah. He was, he was developing his concept of what is normal around these freaking weirdos, other kids. Yeah. And I'm like, I felt like I was almost like, how, if I could describe it, the guy from Japan that you're saying, like the culture, it's a cultural thing to like do things with excellence. Yeah. Say he moves his family to somewhere that's not that way. And he sees his kids not taking anything serious. And he feels like he's like doing a disservice to the way he was raised. Right. And it was like, we got to this point where I'm like, I'm giving my kids, I'm sacrificing my kids for eight hours a day for what? Because they don't like doing the things that I do. Well, if this was 500 years ago and I was a lumberjack, you're going to be a lumberjack until you find something else you want to do. Well, but like, die this is the fifth years ago. You're going to have to have 10 of them to get two of them to adulthood. But yeah, but I, I've I got two for saying. now. So, yeah, so yeah. with those two, I got <laughs> yeah. left. Um, but then, but then it's like, I was battling against a culture that I couldn't win because Jet would see me for a few hours a day, but you see his friends for eight hours a day. Yeah. So anything that I would say or do, he would take it to his friends and his friends are like, ugh, that's, you know, stupid. that's yeah. stupid. And, your dad's I fe- an idiot. I swear, I felt like the culture of our family in our home was getting diminished or dissolved. And that's where I think Lacey and I both were like, pause. Two nights ago, yeah. or uh, maybe three nights ago, I was like, everybody stop. We were watching John Wayne and the Cowboys because yeah. you guys want to get an idea of where your life is going. Here it is. We're now going to celebrate being grownups. We're going to celebrate being responsible and crossing your T's and dotting your I's. Yeah. So we took our kids out of, out of public school to try to reestablish some of that while they're still in my house. Yeah. No, I and I I do not uh, begrudge you that decision at all because I think there'll be a point with our kids where they're not going to be in public school their whole life. But I'm scared to not put them in it at all. I, yeah, 
for sure. And that was our reason for putting them in. Honestly, that was the reason because we homeschooled in the first. Like I I went to public school. I'm not. I'm not a weirdo. But uh, I mean, is the is it just us looking at this new generation like every other new generation has been looked at? Honestly, dude. Honestly, I don't think so. Every previous generation is like this new generation. I know, know, but dude, I don't on this one. And maybe every generation said what I'm saying, but like you look around at the results, look Uh, at the outcome. Look, you look at the outcomes. Like you look at the World War II generation, like greatest generation ever, right? Like they were responsible and hardworking, and they had suffered poverty, and so they were motivated. And you look at the generation of like the mental health issues. Kierkegaard is a philosopher. He said that anxiety is the dizziness of freedom, which means when everything is available to you, the dizziness is what anxiety is, right? Yeah, you know who doesn't have trouble sleeping at night? People that work really, really hard. Well, and there's there's a Malcolm Gladwell book that talked about how much happier people were when they were getting bombed. Because there was a, there was singularity, there was one thing they were trying to do. <laughs> Just be alive. That is live and protect their people. That was yeah. it. They woke up in the morning and they went to bed at night with one problem, and that one problem was living and keeping their people safe. And that that mental health went down instead of oh, yeah, yeah. We we have too many options, so we just had our first Christmas that like we can that he the concept of Christmas yeah. right that right. my son like last year he was one almost two. This year he's two, almost three, and it, the, the difference is crazy. But of course, he's like the most spoiled kid in the whole wide world. Like, I have no idea why we got him so many presents, right? Like, the first thing he opened from Santa was uh, Santa's real, uh, <laughs> was a Lightning McQueen car. His favorite movie in the whole uh-huh. world is Cars. And like, that's his thing. Like, if he's good, he gets like, we, we're not big screen time, but right, you know, right, sure. We also rodeo and drive eight hours at a time. So, gotta survive. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, cars, that's our, that's our jam. And so he got this Lightning McQueen car. That's all we needed to get him. Yeah. And so then, but, you know, he opened his 462 other presents and like it was, it was just too much. But like, and that's it, like, that's our, our world now because it's like, it's hard to be happy because we got everything. Yeah. We well, got that, so much. That's the that's the problem that I see is that when I look at the generation coming up right now, the kids that do want to be grown ups and they do want to say yes sir, no sir, and they do want to shake you in, shake your hand, look in the eye, and they're willing to go to work. Those kids are at such an advantage. Oh yeah. Because their their competition is what? Yeah. Who are they competing Somebody against? Somebody that's crapping in a dog litter box. At school, yeah. yeah I mean, like we 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 validate thing, we validate apparently. and like I know that we got way off on a tangent here on this one, but that's what's been to me. If somebody will really genuinely care about the details of their life, whatever it is, yeah. like if you will get up and dedicate yourself to excellence at whatever you're doing, life makes a space for you. Yeah. Well, like I got this little neighbor kid. Great. And it's a great family. I, I love they're like the best neighbors ever. He just got so lucky. And so he cleans the stalls. For What's their names? Uh, the Lukovichs. They're Shout probably not going to listen to this. Shout out Luka. It yeah. doesn't matter. Yeah. Somebody else hears it. They'll tell yeah, about them. They, they, they are. They're, they're honestly like the greatest people ever. Um, but like so... Their, their son is like, I don't know, 10 or 12, and he's starting to clean stalls for me. And, like, he did a half-assed job a lot. And, like, his dad, super hardworking guy, and I'd, like, call him and be like, hey, you need to send cash back down. He didn't do a good job. And, like, this, like it was a process to make cash care. Yeah. And, like, like he just he was down there. He's cleaning his stalls, making his money, right? Right. Like, but it's like, no, it matters how yeah. you clean these stalls. Yeah. It, well, it, and he won't, he won't necessarily he be able to grasp that. It now. But... If it's more work to do it wrong, he will figure that out. Yeah. Like a 10-year-old kid can go, you know, when I do a bad job, I have to come back here again. Maybe if I just do a good job the first time. Yeah, then I'm just done. And then it takes later. Like five extra minutes. Like it, it's, the difference exactly. between a good job and a bad job cleaning stalls is negligible. Dude, on everything. Yeah. In everything. It is so much more work to do something halfway. Yeah. 
it's um, it's like we say about horses. You know, the the most expensive horses are the cheap ones. Yeah. Because you try to save money on your purchase price, and you end up with a horse that never gives anything back. Where if you'd have just bit the bullet and paid for the one that you actually needed, yeah, that horse is going to give back day one. You know, and and over and over and over. And I don't know anybody else's culture. I don't know what it's like to live in downtown anywhere. Yeah. But I have to believe that if I did, that would still be true. That concept would still be true anywhere you go. Is that doing it right is still the best option for no other reason than it's cheaper. If that's all you can say, it just makes my life easier to do it the right yeah. way. If that's it, that's still true. You, you bore your head. <laughs> if, yeah. if it's just like, I'm going to do it right because it's just easier. Like, cool. Dude, like, and like, I think the older you get, the more you can look yourself in the eye. Like when I go to bed at night and I haven't just left something undone, I can look myself in the mirror and be like, I had a good day today. Is that part of growing up too? Yeah. Like, like all this stuff we're talking about, the like attention to detail and the bits, like that's also like into life. And like, and, and when they say marry good, like they're not dinking around. Like my wife has legit made me better, like all the way around because like we're, we're dudes. Yeah. Like whatever. Yeah. I'll leave, I'll leave the kitchen sink full of dishes. For sure. I don't care. You know what sucks is that when your wife is gone and then you've already gotten accustomed to the house being clean. Oh, yeah, clean, and I, I keep it clean when she's not there. It's stupid. Because now it's your standard. Yeah, like, if she's increased like your standard. Yep, same, same. I'm, I would say that. Lacey can be like, no, you don't, but I try. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't yeah. keep it clean. It's funny. So, Jack comes up for lunch every we We, we have lunch with Slade every day, who's my son. And so we go up to the house because I work from home, which is blessing and a curse. <laughs> Hard to get shit done sometimes. I'm always at work. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm always at home. <laughs> I, I, Fair. Need to, I got Fair. bits I need to build. Yep. Like, yep. Yep. son, like, leave mm-hmm. me alone. But mm-hmm. I love him. I'm trying to enjoy it like because I know it's pretty a soon he's going to be pro- that teenager. Right. I walked in here and I saw your jet, and he saw his mom, and he was – Lukewarm. He's like, hey, mom. Hey, what's up? Yeah, my son, like, because he's little. Screams right Oh, yeah. And that's going to that's gonna be over when he's a teenager. So that's I'm right. trying to enjoy it. But anyway. No. Like, I'm so, telling you, my daughter, still happy to see me when I walk in. Oh, that's awesome. It's but, a boy and girl thing. Because they're so dude. much better. Dude, they just, they are. They're just so much better. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so, like, we go out to eat lunch every day. And so, like, I put Slade down for his nap. And because uh, my wife's at work, generally. And uh, so I'll put Slade down for his nap. And Jet will clean up the kitchen. And there's three stages of clean. There's Jet clean. Then I come back and I wipe down the kitchen. Yeah. And then my wife gets yep. home and she wipes down the yeah. kitchen. And, and she and would I'm, swear nobody did anything. Yeah. She'd be like, I'm "Why like, did you do anything?" And you're like, "I swear I thought it did." <laughs> I'm like, "Dude, I, I, I literally, I came back. This, 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 this kitchen is twice clean." Now I will tell you when I clean the house, or when the kids and I clean the house, I can look at it and I'll be like, "I know this doesn't feel right." but I can't see what else he's done. Like I'm looking that, at I it. I think that's just a man. I swear, thing, right? I swear this house is clean, but it doesn't feel the same. Lacey comes home and I'm like, there it is. Now we're there. Now it's clean. Um, so three years into it, you start making the kind of bits you want to make. At what point is it like, Oh, this is actually a career. Like, I think this is it my was thing. A career pretty fast. Like I was building barn and fence too, like for the first year or two. Mm-hmm. And then I just, I knew like I, I, I was partners with a guy, a good friend of mine. And I just like, I'd be like, I, I'd, we'd be at work building barn fence and it sucks. You're never home. You can't rope. It's hot. The whole deal. Yeah. And it's like, and I'm like, man, I, I think this bit thing is going to go. I Did you, were work. you having orders starting to kind of back up? Yeah. yeah I, if you have not started feeding unbeatable feeds, my question is simply why not? There's a video. You can look it up on social media. Ren Richard put out about what he's feeding his steers. I'm telling you, we, we talk about the effects that has on horses, obviously the bloom, the, the benefit, the fiber, all the stuff that we've talked about. But I'm going to tell you another thing. I have never seen a feed that will put life back into older rope and steers. So if you're sick of the price of cattle and tired of buying fresh ones, 
what it allowed us to do here, I can only speak from my own experience, is we've been able to buy older cattle, put them on unbeatable uh, feeds, beat pulp pellets, and it is like the fountain of youth for older roping cattle. It brings life back into them. You don't have to overfeed them. It is as good a feed as you can find for older roping steers. Um, I've also got a little set of muleys, and they're growing like crazy on it. So check them out at Unbeatable Feeds. Obviously, we've talked about the horse benefit. But man, the steer stuff also, goodness sakes. Check them out. Unbeatable Feeds. We live in one of the hottest real estate markets in the Western industry here in Wickenburg. It can be confusing. I know that people from out of town go, okay, where does everything happen? What's in the middle of things? What's the dark side of the moon? Let me tell you, Erin Freeman, she's not only a friend, she is an absolute professional in the real estate industry. You can find her at Erin Freeman Properties on Facebook. You can check her out at erinfreeman.realtor on Instagram and TikTok. Here's what I like about Erin. She is from a team roping family. She understands that when you call and say you're looking for arena, you don't mean a riding pin. When you say I'm looking for something with stalls, it doesn't mean four panels chained together. She understands the industry, but she also understands the, the, the lifestyle. One of the things I'll say about Erin, like I said, not only is she great, I don't know if she'd want me saying this, she also kind of keeps her finger on the rental industry too. So if you're looking for a rental, maybe not officially, but I can tell you she knows where it's at. She's also brutally honest. She will tell you exactly what's happening in the industry. If you're too high, if you're too low, if what you're looking for is achievable, if she has in her inventory what you're looking for, you will get an honest assessment from somebody who not only understands what you're looking for, but where to find it. Check her out, Aaron Freeman. And it sucks. You're never home. You can't rope. It's hot. The whole deal. Yeah. And it's like, and I'm like, man, I, I think this bit thing is going to go. Like, Did you, were work. you having orders starting to kind of back up? Yeah. yeah I, like, honestly, I've, since the day I've started building bits, I've never not had a bit to build. No way. Yeah. God that's, bless the internet. Everybody awesome. cusses it. I love Facebook. Oh. Greatest thing ever. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, how, how fast has this show grown? Thank, Dude, thank I'm you telling for you. social media. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 1000%. Yeah. And like, we cuss it and I don't like it either, but. Right. I do like. Yeah, they, they, the growth of it's my a, business through it. It's a tool, right? Yeah. You can take a hammer and go destroy your whole house, yeah. right? Or you can take a hammer and drive nails. Like yeah. it's how you use. I think it's how you use the tool, whether it's helpful or destructive. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and so then eight years into it, you're like, okay, now I got it. Yeah. Do you I remember did. your first high profile customer? Do you remember the first time somebody called you and you're like, oh my gosh? <laughs> like, kinda. I like I built some stuff for some NFR guys early. Do you remember I, I who? Can, can you say names? Yeah, yeah, like Brock Hansen has been ride or die from like really? the beginning. Yeah, he's been awesome because I do stuff like he wanted. Okay, because I wasn't set in my ways. Right, because right. I didn't have ways. Well, yeah, a guy calls and says he wants something. You're yeah. like, well, I don't really have and a way, so, so let's dude, try yours. Yeah, he hooked me up with like a bunch of NFR dudes, like pretty quick. Who else? Uh, like, like Joseph Harrison called me. Okay, early. listen. I'm asking and you can answer. You're not name dropping if I'm asking. So sure. I know the humility is like, oh, I, mean, I don't want to say, but like, I'm actually curious. So Joseph Harrison, Brock Hansen. Yeah. And, that, and that's early. And that, now I've built for a bunch of NFR guys, like, you know, humble brag, but. Well, no, it's not right. I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely yeah, asking. Yeah, How many, so, do you like, remember the first time you saw one of your bits at the finals? Yeah. It took a while. Like, honestly, but like a bunch of them had them and I'd be like, ride that thing. Right, and, right, right. And like, I knew they were riding it throughout the year. Cause right. They, they, but and then the NFR is such a different setup. Yeah. That, yeah. But yeah, I, I did. Um, I can't remember it off the top of my head. Of course, you asked me. It's on the spot. Right. But yeah, like it was a big thing. It's like, that's Ca my freaking bit. Oh, Billy, Billy Jack Sabins had one. Oh, okay. Yeah. So your first bit at the finals was a team roping bit. Yeah. And and he may have just ridden it on the in the grand entry. I don't know if he rode it the whole time. But <laughs> Who like, cares? I it was it. in. I took a picture. It was like, in the Thomas, Thomas and, Mac. and Mac. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's okay. So that's the other, that's the other thing is like. I probably overcorrected when I realized I wasn't going to be who I thought I wanted to be in the rodeo world, right? But. What I really missed was the camaraderie. What I realized is, like, 
I like the people. I like the culture. Oh, it's fantastic. And that's what sucked is I felt like that by not being who I thought I was going to be, I was never going to find a home in that. And it almost, it almost felt like, like I've, I don't know if sounds stupid or not, but I almost felt like rejected by the rodeo mm-hmm. community. They didn't. I didn't have anybody be like, you're not welcome. There was never anything like yeah, that. It no, was just. We didn't get together. It was just I mean, my. I wasn't in on the petition. Yeah, anyway. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> oh, I didn't see your name on the petition. I saw, but. <laughs> yeah. But no, I, I hope that people realize like there's one avenue, which is being a contestant. And that's, that's awesome. Yeah. But there are a thousand different careers in this industry that are fulfilling and rewarding that allow you to stay within the culture. Like, because we are we are we are a subculture, like yes, for sure, yes. And it's not that big, but it is tight knit. It is so cool. You can go anywhere. You could go like I could break down almost anywhere in the U.S. and and I've got people I can call. Three calls, like you're only ever two calls removed from help. And and you know if the rodeo thing doesn't go the way somebody wants it to go, I would hope I would hope that somebody could hear this and go like. There's a thousand other ways. Yeah. It's you crazy. Be a horse dentist. I mean, I, horse I, chiropractor. I flew to Ellensburg in September and I announced the best, the best team roping with Justin McKee on the Cowboy yeah, Channel, I right? I heard you on that deal. And I got to go hang out during the program and just BS and talk with everybody at the arena. But I was staying at a hotel in town. I'd flown in. I got to fly back out. I got to go eat with my buddies. I went to dinner with my friends. And I was exactly where I wanted to be. And what is so cool about that is I, it wasn't the way that I thought I was going to get there. Yeah. But with everything we're doing with the podcast and like the horse training thing, I've made friends selling horses, which is always a good thing, right? Yeah. Like you sell a horse, you make a friend instead of lose one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but like there are a thousand different ways. And just what you're saying like that about like my bit is in the Thomas and Mac. There are a thousand different jobs that get to be a part of still without. Yeah, like a, a little bit of me made it to the Thomas and Mac. Yes, and like yes. The, you know, they, they've ridden a horse that I've trained there and that's super cool. What horse? It was... Uh, Cade Swore rode him. We called him Yakko, a little brown horse. Like he rode him in like 2010, something like that. So I had sold the horse to Gordy Alderson's daughter, and then they sold the horse to Cade. Did they call that horse Floyd? No, it looked just like that horse. So it's when he was riding. Oh, okay. No, no, I do. He rode that horse to Thomas Mack. And honestly, the horse wasn't like that nice, but he worked for that setup. And like if you watch, like Cade scored him on a loose rein because he didn't ever score very good. Like he was was rank outside, but he just never scored very good. But because it's so short, Cade had him on a loose rein. Let him go. And he actually broke the barrier once because of it. And it was kind of like live by it, die by it sort of thing. But yeah, Cade broke good on him on a bunch of money. I remember. That's cool. You want to hear one of my bad reviews on my podcast? Everyone's like, we get it. You train the horse a year. Shut up about it. But, But to me. That exact same experience. I'm sitting there watching the horse that I had spent a lot of years on. Don't like that. tell me it's Lightning's horse. No. Let's shut up and listen. I'm going to put you on a bad review. I, I just I assumed you saw you, my review. Do you have a Yelp? <laughs> <laughs> but but that it's that moment of like feeling like and then and then because I'm there for the podcast, getting to watch and break in steers is like one of my favorite days of the year, right? Oh, yeah. Um, and so I'm still in. As crazy as it sounds, I'm still in, and it's like in a different way, but it's cool. I swear, I swear this sounds like something that a loser would say, but it doesn't feel less rewarding. Yeah. It feels like I've found a place well, in there's the, only 15 dudes in there. Yeah. And yeah. Well, and number 16. So. And so if you're there, yeah, there's only <laughs> six guys that are 16th in the world every year. Um, but how many guys do you think don't go ba- building bits, don't go to training horses? They, they just, just like, forget about They're it. just done and they go get a job somewhere else and it's almost like bitter for the yeah. rest of their lives because they didn't get where they wanted to go. And it's like, man, that doesn't have to be that way. Well, it's just weird. Like my brother, like he's not bitter about anything, but like he roped great. He's a team roper. 
and roped really good, could have definitely been competitive at the circuit level, and who knows? Like He, had he lives talent. in Arizona. Yeah, like There's he, a thousand ways to be successful team roping yeah, in Arizona. Yeah, he, he, he had the talent. Like If you ask my dad, like he was probably guaranteed at the NFR, but, you know, dad's kind of... He's they can excited. trend that way. Yeah, he's excited. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, but like I'm not saying he couldn't have made the NFR. Like He had enough talent, and who knows where life goes. Like you right. know, it's, it's tough to make right. it. Um, but yeah, he just like, he just fell out of love with it and sold his horses and he's an engineer now and doesn't rope. Well, if he's an engineer, that means he was probably too smart. That, that's hard. Being yeah. smart's hard on a guy. Like if you're going to try to rodeo for a long time, being like stupid engineer level intelligent, that's a, it's a handicap in the rodeo world. Yeah, <laughs> like, I, I don't know. Like Adam Gray's rodeoed for a long time, has an engineering degree. We, we joke about it. Oh yeah. Yeah. That guy is stupid smart, but I'll tell you what, there were times I think that and Adam, I think Adam would tell you this. There were times that he would be kind of eat up about what he was doing because he's overthinking. And then the guy next to him is I just happy and stupid. That, dude. Just there happy. and something to be said you for overthinking, especially in rodeo. It's so quick and it's so reactive. Like all of it, calf rubbing, head and healing, whatever. Right. Like bulldog, and I'm sure, you know, I'm basically the right size for a bulldogger, so it's weird. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, I thought that's what you did. Yeah, like, like, yeah, that's what everybody said. But thought I mean, you were related to Sean Greenfield yeah, there for yeah, a minute. Yeah. But anyway, it's like it, it, you got to turn it off. You got to let the lizard brain take over. Yeah. Well, I, I think I think for guys that that had the the mental wherewithal to go have like intellectual careers, the downtime would be hard. You don't have an outlet for all of that thinking. And, like, maybe in the moment it doesn't affect your rodeo. And, like, once you nod, like, game on. But you on. miss one and then you stew on it for 16 hours while you're driving to the next one. Yeah. Yeah, or you've got an entire day off and you're sitting there thinking, like, man, if I was home right now, here's what I could be doing. Or here's a business I could get started. Or, like, all the things that, like, the guys that maybe have long careers maybe don't spend their time thinking about. They're just, like, good with what they're seeing. And I think that's an advantage. I will tell you, there are smart people that have had long careers, for sure, for yeah. sure. But I've also known guys that had long careers that were just happy throughout because they weren't that's overthinking it. Doing. Yeah, yeah. In the long run, I think smart's always kind of an advantage, though. Yeah, if you, if I, you have I the choice. So. I mean, <laughs> if, if Trevor Brazil have... doesn't strike me as a dad. No, not, <laughs> not at mean? all. Like, uh, well, and that guy, he was building a career for himself before he was done. So sharp, but what he's done is just incredible. Yeah. Roping horses, all of it. So I had a horse at the finals, had a bit at the finals. And since then, have you seen more of them? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I had, I had quite a few there this year. I'm listening. All right. Uh, let me see. Who, who rode them this year? Like, obviously, Weston. I sponsor Weston, so he has to ride them. Else, you know? That's right. Yeah, he also quits getting his free bids. Well, and his horses work. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Egeskiza, I think, rode one one night. Like, he, he was switching back and forth. Um, Jake Clay, I think. I it's They don't always show him, but I'm pretty sure he rode one one night. Mm -hmm. um, Doesn't it give you... A even a deeper understanding of what you're watching because the average person would watch Dustin ride the same horse every night. But you're watching and you're like, he's changing bits. So what's he going for? Like yeah. you, you get a deeper like appreciation for what you're watching every night. Yeah, I think so. And, and you know, it's like, okay, is he is this horse not scoring? Is it running through his hand? Does he need to hold his shoulder up? Is it too short and putting less on Dude. it? He needs to, uh, that building looks so hard to team rope in. I mean, it's hard to do anything in there, but like it's, yeah, it, it looks hard to heal in. It, to, okay. Yeah. So heading, yes, but they're right there. Yeah. Healing. The only way, you know, I, and I know that a performance is different than a run through, obviously, yeah. right? But one of the things sitting there in the arena during the run through when they start turning them is those steers have to be hitting so fast to get it tight, right? 
that steer's got to be traveling fast to get the rope tight when they face. So as a result, you got a left wall, but those steers are going right towards it. So and, and you're get, late. And they're getting turned so fast you can't get there. They, so as some guys cannot get you're there. always, I mean, I think if you're doing it right, you feel late. Yeah. You go from late to needing to throw. And like, dude, it's that's like from the time the rope comes tight on the horns and you're what feels like 10 miles late. Yeah. And the time that they're legal, there's a you're lot happening. There's there. a lot happening yeah. in a heel and run that it would be hard to see on TV. Yeah, I think so. So then so then from now five years do you look five years into the future do you build out like where i, I think so like so how old I, are you now uh 32 so dude at 32 if you're doing this at 32 when you think about like most of the bit makers you think of them as being older right yeah so this is a business that's got just been. nothing Buy but future <laughs> <laughs> but no. what you're doing is nothing but a future no absolutely um so for the last two years i've had more than one employee uh, and I kind of dinked around with like trying to scale it up. It's not that it was unsuccessful, but it was financially not viable. Like I'm making more money with less people doing mm-hmm. less. You know what I mean? And and so I don't I don't know that that's completely off the table for the future of trying to scale up again. I, it's off the table for now. Have you ever seen the old movie Multiplicity? Uh-uh. It's this dude that learns how to like clone himself. So he makes a copy of himself, oh. but then the copies start making copies. And then it ends up with this one guy's just like completely mentally gone. Like he's just completely yeah. mentally incapable. Um, and I almost feel like when you start, it's that there's an art to it. Yeah. When you start getting employees, the chances of a diminished quality go so, oh, so, so high. Crazy. It's so hard. The further you are away from the guy that's working for you, yeah. the harder it is to guarantee your standard with that guy. Does that make sense? Yeah, and it's like it's back to the being the best grass cutter you can be. So if like if that is the standard and then you see it dropping like it was driving me insane. And yeah. Not that we were turning out crap. But, but you were having to fix it. Oh, fixing stuff all the time. And not that my employees weren't good. They were great. They were just at their first three years like yeah. where you had been. Yeah, yeah. It's, it takes a long time. Yeah. It, it takes a long time to get good at anything. And it, and then and then the level of, of caring, the, the, the attention, like like if you're just, if you're getting a paycheck and not that they didn't care, but... They, they were care. doing what they, they knew. They don't care like me. They were doing what they knew. It, it's it's not it's not their name stamped on the inside. Yeah, yeah. You, you know what I mean. Do you remember the first time you invented a bit where you got thinking? You're like, you know what? Yeah. Was yeah. it? Did it work? Yeah, it, it works good. People love it. What is it? So it's like. Hold on, I'm gonna Google a picture of. It. Is there a picture of it on your Facebook? Uh, yeah, I'm sure there is. I'll, I'll get. I'll find you one. So if somebody wants that. to find it, what we're about to talk about. Oh, somebody go to the website. Which is which is tmbitsandspurs.com. Shout out. Yeah, it's you know keep the simple things simple. All right, and TM then go to custom bits and hold on, Spurs. Okay, hold on. We're walking you through this. If you're listening to this, you are welcome. Custom bits and Spurs store. Yeah. So yeah, the the little drop down tab at the top left. Hit it. Custom bits and Spurs store. Okay. And it is uh, second row down in the center. Okay. Hang on. It just made a this one for Andrew Ward. Okay. Name drop. You is that for biscuit? Ask. Okay, it's the second one down in the center. Yep. Okay. On the cus- this this one here. Yep. The dead sexy is what we called it. I uh, I had a lot of fun naming these. Let's <laughs> have fun names. Anyway, yeah. So that's so that is this is a TM bit and Spurs original like. Now it's got a higher purchase. Yep. But what does that bar that flat bar? So I just was like, let's let's marry a chain port and uh you know let's get the 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 brake action on the sides, but let's not give it the tongue relief. Let's not give it the port. Okay. Like kind of a snaffle and a chain port kind of had a okay. baby. And then they coat it in copper because everybody loves copper. Did you build that for his bay horse? I don't know who I built that for, honestly. I mean, I built it for Andrew Ward. He just called and ordered it. 
And this, what did he, okay, so how did he, what did he say that caused this to be the final outcome? Uh, he had talked to, I think he had seen Jake Clay have one. He liked it. You know, but okay. anyway, I've built a ton of these. And Who's the first guy? Do you remember the first guy? Brock. And did you and Brock talk about it? Yeah. Yeah. And it was, and that's why it's a longer Shanghai purchase. Brock likes that. Yeah. And so then I was like, hey, I got Which this gives, one. for people who don't know, that gives you more leverage. Yeah. Like a higher purchase puts a lot of leverage between the curb and the mouthpiece. Mm-hmm. And, and so, and it's a little bit slower. <clears throat> it's not it. so quick. Right. Um, but yeah, so he's like, I was like, hey, I got this new mouthpiece. I'm thinking, he's like, yeah, just throw it. Because I built a bunch of different bits for him kind of in this same vein. Right? Okay. This kind of, uh, just purchase link, shank link combo. And I'm like, all right, let, let me know what you think. He's like, dude, this thing rides really good. And so when the baby was made. How far into it was it before you started putting copper rollers in? Because I'm looking at this bit. It's got the copper roller that's called the, hang on, Tainted Love. <laughs> <laughs> Danny Love has got the heart shaped. Uh, yeah, yeah, those shanks are cool. The MP one, huh? Uh huh. Well, who's the MP? I don't know. Okay. Not everybody's famous. <laughs> I think I'm sure you know that country song. Yeah, I got some famous friends in my hometown. I'm sure that this MP is one of those. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. So the what I'm liking, I'm, I mean, I'm looking through the website, and what's crazy is there's so much variation. Sixty four mouthpieces, not including square twist, twisted wire, smooth. What? On like fifteen different shanks, like I do the math. I don't know. I'm not an engineer. I'll call <laughs> call my brother. But like, like that's a lot of combos. Like, there's not even close to all of them on the website. Has there ever been a bit you're like, I, oh man, I got an idea. It's gonna work. Here's the, all the reasons it's gonna work. And for some reason, the minute it touches a horse, it just doesn't do what yeah. you thought it was gonna. Yeah, do. we've made we've made duds that like the public hasn't seen. Yeah. Just like, oh, this is a good idea. Not really. Do you remember any of those looking back on it that now you'd be like, oh, yeah, for sure that wasn't going to work. But at the time, mm. you're like, yes. Uh, Do you no, talk about this? I, like, still, is this? I still don't know why some of them don't work. Really? Yeah. It's like, but I mean, it might work on a horse. Like, I've never built a bit that I've just thrown away, like, outside yeah. of, like, one. Just a faulty. Yeah, like, bit, if yeah. something is bent weird or, like, if, if something doesn't harden correctly and then it gets bent and, you know, they're like, okay, well, this one's junk, but. And so if a horse is is, like. In the, let's say a head horse, and he's running the steer, you rope, you go to slow him down, and they start shaking their head. What's causing that? Boy, that On average. Yeah, uh, I mean, I'd look at my curb chain when stuff starts shaking their head. You know, is Are it, you a fan of leather curb chests? Yeah, I love them. Yeah. Yeah, and... That's been a new addition in the last not that long, dude, and you, well, I'm a fan of them. Think, so just say, on average, that there's four different curb chains. Okay. Right? There's a leather... Uh, like a small chain, a big chain, a double chain, mm-hmm. right? And I'm not including like the Wonder Curbs and right, the, right, the right. super sharp stuff. But so now I got one bit. I got four bits because mm-hmm. they are freaking different. Yes, yes. The way that that's gonna like connect yeah. to that horse's brain. Yes. Four different. So, I mean, start with the curb strap. Yeah, that, absolutely. And, and then, or is is it adjusted properly? Is it too high and is it pulled way up in his mouth? Is it too low? Is it under his tongue? Like whatever. Right. Um, then does your, is your horse ill broke and just doesn't know how to respond to pressure? Like we need to give him some tongue relief if that's the case. Or you, did you, did you jump a few steps in line and did you put way too much bridle on a green Too horse? early. Yeah. Right. I mean, that'll make them shake their head. Yeah. Well, and I'll tell you another thing is it seems is like pension, you know, yeah. which it, it kind of goes back to adjustment. Cause generally if, if anybody, not just me, like if anybody builds a good bit, like if it's adjusted properly, it's probably not going to pinch. Yeah. Well, and, and so like. We ride a lot of three and four year olds, a ton of three and yeah. four year olds, and we get a lot of gentle, pretty broke ones, right? Yeah. But at three and four, even being broke, most of them have never got going very fast. 
No. So as a result, add speed, baby. Not many horses have ever been manually slowed down. Yeah. Because like if you're just loping one around and you're going little circles, right? Like if you want to slow the lope down, you're going little circles, right? Yeah. But if you're like the first time they kind of get boiling to a steer and then they're having to like sit down and like slow them down, a lot of times that's a that's a whole new yeah. feeling in their mouth they've never experienced before. And it's like, what is going on with this horse? Well, a lot of times it's not a bit problem. It's not a horse problem. It's just an experience thing. Yeah. Like they need to learn how to do that almost they're, dry. They're not, not looking at a cow. You add speed, all of a sudden they're not looking at a cow anymore. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's all, I almost think a guy could learn to do that a little bit dry first, like lope yeah. them a little faster than yeah. you were in a straight line. Straight line work. And then just let them slow Nobody down. Nobody ever does straight line work. Everybody lopes circles all the yeah, time. Yeah. Right. I've had and then yet tell me that, you like, nod. And what's the first thing you do for the, like the majority of the run? A majority of the run is that straight yeah, line. Especially if they're calf horses. Yeah. Then it's all straight lines. We are straight yeah. line, baby. Are you, with calf horses, do you trend more towards a solid mouthpiece? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, broken mouthpieces, team rope, and solid mouthpiece. Like, that. that's where I want one to end up. Yeah. Is in, like, a, just like a regular old, you know, Calvary port bit. Yeah, because there's not a lot of left and right roping calves. No. It just needs to be, to, to a varying degree of start and stop, right? Yeah, exactly. And then anything solid, better release off your hand, quicker start. Calf rope and starts are quick. Yeah. No room for dicking around, you know, like. They got to be leaning on your hand. They got to go. Yeah. You know, a team roping horse, you kind of, like I see these team rovers, they're kind of long, long reins. They, the gates bang, they pick up because it's hip around the end. Like at a rodeo. Obviously, right. 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 Series has changed that some, but yeah. Well, man, I feel like I've learned a ton. I also, I, this is one of those podcasts that for the sake of time, I'm just, there's questions I feel like I've skipped over, but what let's do is like at some point, let's circle back and do this again. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm so curious to see where it's going to go. Um, I'm supposed to go do one with Mel. I shouldn't even say this because now people are like, where's the podcast? But I talked to Sherry about doing one with Mel and Sherry down towards yeah. that part of the world. So if I get that done, yeah, we can I do, to, we can do part two. I'll stop. Well, I mean, I'll like stop by and take a tour and take yeah. pictures and buy I've, some bits. And absolutely. You guys team rope where you're at? Oh yeah. So just bring yeah, some I, horses. I have and, recently acquired this team roping habit. So between so that sorry. and meth addiction, I don't know which one is worse. Team roping. Yeah. Yeah. So I got it's cheaper. I'm gonna piss off some Karens. I got my favorite joke. I was gonna save it for this podcast because <laughs> I knew you. I knew you'd got the team roping bug. I've got the team roping bug. I don't know if I want to admit it, so, but okay. All right. So like Karens, be mad. I'm gonna say a naughty word. It's okay. Cover your ears. Send hate mail to TM Vincent's. Yeah. LLC. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so why do they call it healing? Like you know, roping feet. Why do they call it healing? I don't know. Cause fuck was taken. <laughs> <laughs> that is. That is my podcast right yeah. there. That is my joke. That is my life. That is exactly right. And I'll tell you what's crazy. I'm actually not that bad. When people come over, it sounds so hypocritical. When people come over and rope with me, I know this sounds crazy. And people are like, you know what? I think today's the day I started hating Jordan Weaver. But if I'm right, I'm just telling you, what my opinion. I've watched healing enough. I can kind of get a sense of how to help somebody. But because yeah. I can't watch myself, it takes me so much longer to fix something in my own healing, unless I'm roping with someone. Like yeah. Jason Warner comes over and ropes and helps a ton, but like it's crazy. I, as much as I've had to like just constantly work in my healing, I've actually gotten more like now Jet learn how to heal. I feel like I'm. You can teach him. I can't heal, but I can teach how to do it. Yeah, so, I'm like the Lombardi. Yeah, it's like I'm, I'm Jordan Lombardi when it comes to healing. I think yeah. that. Well, it's like like little Michael Camelot, you know, Arizona sensation, right? Like, not that his dad doesn't heal good; his dad heals really good, but he's trained like three elite level healers so i've always i'm saying like when slate is big and wants to learn how to heal like we're going to the camp lots. well dude how many times did charlie <laughs> take a guy to his first nfr healing yeah how many guys did al bach get to the finals head and like it M is mike beers yeah he, how many rookie of the years does he have under his belt yeah well and that's and that really is i really think there is something to that or like whatever side you're on you're always observing the other side yeah so you're able to kind of help from a deserving standpoint even better than what you're able to do on that side so 
I guess yeah. that makes sense. So I guess if you want some healing lessons, is what I'm saying. Just, yeah. You hit me up. Also, Jordan Weaver healing lessons. Yeah. Wait, hit me train up. Train your horse. We podcast, and I can fix your healing. That's all. So I, I, can, I can fix pretty much every problem, really. Yeah. Think about it. There's not a lot I can't fix. Uh, anyway, so what I was going to say is if you guys are team rope, maybe I'll just grab some yeah, horses. Yeah, absolutely. Come down there I'd love it. Mess with Come some over. We'll spend some money. We'll do it. Awesome. Tristan, thank you so hey, much for coming by. This is awesome. All right.